Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have today to be together. We're grateful to have visitors with us. We want you to come back, be with us at every opportunity that you have. We have numerous visitors from week to week and some are looking for a church home. And if that's the case, then we would love to have you come and work with us here at Olive Branch. We would be honored to have you come and be with us. And I know that the elders would be happy to meet with you, to answer any questions that you might have. And uh, we, would, we would like to work with you. And we would like you to help us to expand the borders of the kingdom in this community. We're going to be looking today at Romans chapter 14. And before we do so, I do want to mention that our VBS begins this week. We want to encourage everyone to come and to be a part of that. I know that uh, we're going to have an adult class I'm not sure who all of the speakers are. I know Isaiah is scheduled to speak one night, and so we're glad that Isaiah willingly stepped up to, to speak, and so we want to come and to support each of our teachers. I know that they put a lot of hard work into their lessons, and we are looking forward to a great, great week, and we want to encourage our friends, our neighbors, our family members to come and to be a part of this great week. Today, as we look at Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, we want to talk about the judgment of God and the fact that one day all of us, we will have the opportunity to stand in God's courtroom. It's not uncommon to hear individuals that have gotten involved in some type of problem with the law and the defense attorney will step forward and say he or she will have his or her day in court. Well, one day we will have our day in court. The only difference is it will be God's courtroom. I want us to think about that for a moment or two as we look at verses 10 through 12. And there are probably a lot of things that we could say about the judgment of God. And it's really a great, great subject. And as we think about what the Bible has to say about our day in God's courtroom. We want to begin by talking about the inevitability of all of us being at the judgment. Listen, if you would, to what Paul said in verse 10. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul here is saying that all of us <clears throat> will one day stand before the judgment seat of our Lord. There are two things that I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, the judgment will be inclusive of all. And really, that's the point. There are no exemptions, no exclusions. Every person that has ever had the opportunity to live here on planet Earth will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There are no exclusions. There are appointments that we have from time to time in this life. Sometimes we choose to honor those appointments. Sometimes we choose to break them. Well, this is an appointment that we are not at liberty to break. You see, the bottom line is God has a set time for us to appear before him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 at verse 27, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. 
the certainty of the judgment. There are some things that are certain in this life. There are a lot of things that are uncertain about life. One certainty of life is death. Now, it may be that the Lord will precede our passing into eternity based on what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But unless the Lord comes first, we will all feel the sting of death. It's a reality. Well, what Paul here is saying is there are no exclusions when it comes to the judgment of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 10, Paul said, We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. In the book of Acts chapter 10, when Paul spent time in Athens, he talked about the one true living God. And he said that there is coming a time in which God will judge the world in righteousness. The world would include us, all of us. In Matthew 25 verse 31, Jesus talked about when he would come again with all his holy angels. And he said, all nations shall be gathered before him in verse 32. The all nations, that would include us, those of us who live here in America. So one day we will stand before Almighty God. There's a second thing I want you to see. And that is the impartiality of the judgment. When we think about the judgment courts of our land, is it not the case that there are occasions when justice has not been administered because of a technicality here or there, because of some particular problem with the case? Well, there are a lot of things that we could say about this point. But I want you to understand that God's judgment will be fair. Abraham acknowledged this fact many, many years ago when he asked the question, shall not the God of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God will do what's right. There are court cases all across our land when men and women have stood before the judge and the jury and justice has not been administered. But that's not going to be the case when it comes to the judgment of God. God will do what's right. He will be fair and equitable. But then I think about the fact that sometimes in our court systems, because of a person's prestige or power, political clout, economic standing, because of their race, a number of factors play into a court case. And there are times when, based on a certain individual, they'll get away with murder, if you please. Well, when we stand before God, we're all on the same plane. Nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, but Lord, you remember I did this or I did that as such and such. Political clout carries no weight before the judgment seat of Christ. Economic standing, no weight before the judgment seat of Christ. We may be something in this life, 
But when we stand before Almighty God, we're not going to be able to leverage our credentials with God. The only thing that's going to matter is, were we in Christ? Were we living for the Lord? And so, the impartiality of the judgment of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 2 at verse 11, there is no partiality with God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 verse 34 that God is no respecter of persons. You don't find that in the court systems of our day, do you? There are times based on a person's profile and prominence, etc., they're granted special privileges. Not so on the final day. Now there's a second thing I want you to see as we look at Romans chapter 14. We talk about the fact that it's inevitable that we will one day be before the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to think with me for just a moment about our responsibility before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to what Paul said in verse 11. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Here's what you need to see in this verse. One day we will all bow before the Lord Jesus. Now, that's a given. It's a fact. We can choose to bow before the Lord Jesus prior to the judgment. Now granted, we will one day bow before him at the judgment, whether saint or sinner. But we can bow before him today in this life and acknowledge him as the Lord of our lives. If we acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of our life today, that's going to have a lot to say about how the judgment goes for us, individually speaking. Do you remember in Acts chapter 2 when the apostle Peter preached the first recorded gospel sermon? In verse 36, he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God's design is that we as members of the human family would acknowledge Jesus as Lord. That is, that we would say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. He's the ruler, the one who reigns in my heart. He is the one that is giving direction to my life. That's what he wants. Now, based on what those people heard in the first century on Pentecost Day, they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were convicted. They understood. They had put to death. They had had a part in the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. When we obey the gospel, we are in effect acknowledging Jesus. We are saying he is going to be the Lord, the Lord of my life. We are enthroning him in our heart, in our life. Now, Paul said, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. We have the opportunity to acknowledge him as Lord today. In this life, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at verse 2. When you read the scriptures, emphasis is always on the, the day at hand. 
Why is that? Because we don't know what a day will bring forth. Now, let's talk for a minute about bowing before him at the judgment. There are two classes of people that will bow before the Lord on the day of judgment. On the one hand, we have the triumph of the saints, the saved. The day of judgment will be a time, a day of triumph for the saved, for the saints. Why is that? Because Jesus will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the kingdom that's been prepared for you. Think about that. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to hear the words, well done. Why is that? Because we live for him. We served him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, the Lord is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, to know that our service in the kingdom will one day be rewarded. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful until death. The promise is I will give you the crown of life, the Stephanos. You see, that's a time of triumph. Now, what's the flip side of that? Just as the judgment will be a time of triumph, for saints or for the saved, it will be a time of terror. A time of terror for sinners. Why do you think it will be a time of terror? Because those outside, those outside of Christ, they're unprepared. They're not ready for the judgment. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, the writer said, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. All he is saying there is that it is a thing fearful beyond belief to die unprepared to meet God. Let that sink in for a minute. Many years ago, I was preaching for a church and we had, we had a school that met in our church building. And they had after-school care. And so one day I was, I think I was in the fellowship hall. And of course we had lots of kids there. And a lady came walking in the building to pick up her two children. And she was terrified. She had been a breast cancer survivor. Almost five years to the day. She had been to the doctor, and the doctor had said, your tumor markers are elevated. And so when she, came into, when she came into the building that day, she said, I'm in trouble. She knew she was in trouble. And no doubt she was terrified because she understood the implications of the test. During the course of her battle, that is trying to rid her body of the cancer, she said to her doctor on one occasion, she said, I've got two children, and they were at the time maybe, I think they were like seventh or eighth grade. She said, I just want to see them graduate from high school. The doctor said, 
I can't promise you that. She lived maybe a year. I think I conducted her funeral service around the first of the year. Listen, would it be terrifying to hear that you have terminal cancer? Yes, it would. I mean, none of us, none of us likes the idea of, of being confronted with that kind of news. But you just think about standing before Almighty God. And you know you are unprepared. You never obeyed the gospel. You never, you never made the decision to become a child of God. Why? Time and opportunity are on our side right now. You may be here today. You're not a Christian. Why not obey the gospel today? Somebody says, well, I'm healthy. I may have another 25, 30, 40 years to live. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Somebody says, the Lord's not going to come. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I can't tell you. But I know this. There are probably lots of folks in eternity as we speak. They had noble intentions. They had every well, their mindset was, I'll obey the gospel later. The only problem was death intervened. Don't let that happen to you. Don't stand before Almighty God knowing you're unprepared. Now, we talk about the terror of standing before the judgment seat of Christ unprepared. Here's what Jesus is going to say. Depart from me, you cursed. I don't know if there could be any sadder words in Scripture. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You mean to tell me I'm going to be separated from the light of God's presence forevermore? I'm going to be separated from people that I love, that I respect, that I have spent my lifetime with? That's right. Do you mean to tell me that I'm going to spend eternity with the devil and his angels in a place that was prepared for him and not me? That's right. Why? Because I didn't take the initiative to obey the gospel. Now, let's think for a moment about our accountability before the judgment seat of Christ. In verse 12, listen to, what, listen to what Paul said. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I want to ask you this question. Is it not the case that the Bible is given to us to make preparation for the judgment? I mean, is that not what this book is for? We talk about it being a compass. And, and the idea is that it will safely guide us throughout life. The psalmist in the long ago said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. God's word will get you on the right track. And if you'll live by it, it will keep you on the right track. There are lots of people in our world today whose lives are, to use the expression, messed up. Their lives are upside down. And the only way to get their lives right side up and to bring some normalcy 
to their lives is by following this book. Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Think about that word profitable. There are a lot of people in our world today, they ignore the scriptures. As a result of that, their lives are not lives of profitability. Their lives are turmoil and trouble and many times the problems that they experience in life are self-inflicted. You ever talk to somebody who has made a mess of his or her life and sometimes you'll sit down and talk to people and their lives are literally in shambles. Do you know it's a hard thing to tell somebody? You're the cause of your own problems. Here's what Paul said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You see, when you sow bad seed, you'll reap a bad harvest, not just in eternity, but here on planet Earth. Solomon said the way of the transgressor is hard. And so God's word, it instructs, it guides, it corrects, it keeps us on the path of righteousness. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need to know about how to live for God, about how to make preparation for the judgment to come, it's right here in this book that we call the Bible. What does that say to us? It says we ought to treasure this book. It says that this book ought to be the most important book that we have in our possession. How many books do you own? I got a library full of books. But I wouldn't trade a single book. And some of the books that I have, I really love. But none of the books that I possess, that I'm a steward of, none of them can come close to this book that we call the Bible. And let me tell you why it's so important. Because this is the book that's going to be opened on the day of judgment. That's why it's imperative that we make preparation, that we follow this book now, because this is the book that will be opened on that great and final day. Let me just give you some scriptures to back that up. In John chapter 12 at verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, The words that he has spoken shall judge us. In Romans chapter 2 at verse 2, Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. In verse 16, he said, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now let me pause there. Is there a more important book than this book? When we stand before God on the day of judgment, guess what book's going to be opened? The Bible. If the Bible's going to be opened on the day of judgment, that says to me we better understand what this book's all about. We better be spending some time in this book. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15, study to show yourselves approved unto God. If you're not studying and meditating on the truth of God, you are robbing yourself. Why is that? Because you don't know the contents. And so, you need to understand what this book's all about. You need to understand that this book right here can guide you home. 
In Revelation, chapter, in Revelation chapter 20, John talks about that great and final day of judgment. He said in the long ago that he saw God sitting upon a throne. And he said, before him were the small and great. And he said, the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The first set of books that John spoke of in that context, the Bible. The Old and New Testaments. Those who lived under the period of the patriarchs, they'll be judged accordingly. Those who lived under the Mosaic dispensation, they will be judged according to that law. Today, you and I will be judged by the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. It's called the perfect law of liberty in James chapter 1, verse 21. And James said in chapter 2, So speak and so do as those that will be judged by the law of liberty. All James is saying is you better act in accordance with the word of God. Why? Because you're going to be judged by it. You better speak according to the word of God. Why is that? Because you're going to be judged by it. In closing, you'll have your day in court. You and I, we'll be there, we'll be there together. Here's the, here's the truth of the matter. How well you do in God's courtroom will be dictated by the choices you make in this life. You can leave here today and say, I'm not going to live for Christ. You can say, I'll never obey the gospel. That's your choice. You have that right. We can't force anyone to obey the gospel. But what I want you to know is, if you make that choice, it's a poor choice. And the heartaches and sorrows that will one day accompany that choice, unimaginable. You, you really can't understand the, the gravity of your decision. You see, the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Standing before God, condemned. Do you think God wants you to be condemned? Absolutely not. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. When Jesus went to the cross of Calvary nearly 2,000 years ago, he went, suffered, bled, and died for you personally. What does that say about the intrinsic value of your soul? God loved you enough to sacrifice his only begotten son so that you might live with him. To think that some people would neglect that, hard to believe. And then there are some that are unfaithful. And I have to admit, sometimes I shake my head. I don't get it. How some people can be lackadaisical in their approach to Christianity. How some folks can wander in, wander out, live as if it really doesn't matter. Here's the bottom line. When we, when we made the decision to get on board with Christ, we were saying, look, the Lord is number one. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means before anything else. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul said, For Christ who is our life. 
Some folks have yet to make Christ their life. Are they in the church? Yes. But he's not their life. And because he's not their life, if they step out into eternity, they're in trouble. If that's your case, you're in trouble. I want you to know that. You're in trouble. But you can change that today. You remember what was said of the prodigal son in Luke 15? He'd been out in that far country wasting what his father had entrusted into his care. The Bible says when he came to himself. Sometimes what we need to happen is a light to go off. That light that says, you know what? I'm going to get things right. You have that opportunity today. Make it right. And why leave here? Think about all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Why would anybody ignore that? Think about everything that we have as a Christian. We have freedom from sin. We have peace with God. We have the presence of God. To know that we can pray to God. That we are in the family of God. So, if you're not a Christian why not obey the gospel today? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name. Be baptized into Christ. Let God add you to the church. Walk out of here a saved, redeemed, cleansed child of God. Living in hope of life eternal. If you're unfaithful to his cause, could we pray with you and for you? As Christians, we're family. And we would be happy to pray with you and for you. I promise you, those of us who are here today, if you're, not, if you're not what you ought to be, we want to encourage you. Come home. Come back and be one of us. Trying to do our best. Are we perfect? No. But we're trying to live for the Lord. Here's what James said. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Whatever need you, you may have at this hour, would you come as we stand and sing?